certainly can't believe that. Um, no, we had actually miscounted by a week. We thought it was only week six this week. Yes, I was talking to a student today uh, who was remarking that March went, seemed to go super slow and April like zipped by. Think, uh, that yeah, This is like an interesting time warp that yeah, we're living in. Definitely a time warp. For sure, a time warp. Um, tonight we're going to talk about W.E.B. Du Bois's Souls of Black Folk. Uh, Heather, have you read Souls of Black Folk? I have not. I have read your writing about Du Bois, and I don't think I have ever actually read Du Bois. Anything by Du Bois. I don't think so. Well, it would be Souls of Black Folk if you had read anything, unless you took a history class as a grad no, student. No, I never, t- I never had Du Bois in my college time or in grad school. It would be only if we ever taught. Du Bois together, which I don't think we, we did. Never have. We never have. And I don't have. think you read Du Bois aloud to me when Simone was an infant. So. Probably not. I didn't teach Du Bois then. Um, I don't remember the first time I taught Du Bois. So I think it's only you on Du Bois. That you've read. You've <laughs> read my interpretation of Du Bois. Which is fairly correct. idiosyncratic. Um, uh, well, I don't know if it's idiosyncratic. It's not at all idiosyncratic. Well, it's focused. It's focused. It's, focused it's highly focused. Um, and I've heard you talk a lot about Du Bois. Yeah, okay. So you know a little bit of what you're getting into. A here. little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Well, um, Du Bois is a super cool guy. And uh, the most, probably the most significant intellectual, uh, American intellectual, U.S. intellectual of the 20th century, uh, certainly the most significant black intellectual, of the 20th century, but I think there's a strong case to be made the most significant mm-hmm. uh, intellectual period uh, was instrumental in the found. He was the first black PhD from Harvard. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool first for you. Um, also was instrumental in establishing black higher education from his post at Atlanta University, trained generations of students in sociology at Atlanta University who would go on to populate the... Um, ranks of the professoriate of the black of black higher education so had a major impact there at the at those levels mm-hmm. um was uh a founder of the NAACP um right and ran their publication their sort of um I mean he called it propaganda at the time but basically ran their communications shop for right. the first decades up through the civil rights movement right I mean mm-hmm. yeah it's amazing um Extremely influential there, and was uh, very important in after World War One, especially in uh, building networks of recently uh, of of 
free African nations and African nations seeking independence with the African diaspora worldwide. So it was mm-hmm. instrumental in developing Pan-African networks, which were important to decolonization of the continent. Right. And finally, right, if that's not enough, um, Black Reconstruction's 1931 text was posthumously responsible for changing basically academic historiography of the South, of Reconstruction and of slavery. Right, it's huge. Right, which is which is a big intellectual achievement. Right. Um, in fact, this is a, one of my favorite stories. So he, um, the text was rediscovered by a PhD <clears throat> student at UNC, oh, Chapel Hill, That's who fun. was in, who was taking a course on Reconstruction with Professor Hamilton, after whom Hamilton Hall, where we uh, ah, spent yes. many an hour was named a uh, racist lost cause historian and C Van Woodward was in the uh, was in was, oh, was right. a I student I I of Hamilton's at UNC and was like this is some weird shit this is some <laughs> whack stuff and uh, discovered that Du Bois had written on reconstruction and so read Du Bois's text on reconstruction as a graduate student and was like oh this helps me understand exactly what I thought was whack about what I was learning in my grad seminar. Went on to write his dissertation about it and started a whole new school of Southern history and history of the Civil <coughs> history of Reconstruction, history of the Civil War. So uh, it's, I mean, thanks to Dubois. I mean, it's it's fascinating, right? Was a student of William James, was a colleague of Max Weber, and was like a guiding spirit of the March on Washington, like. It just doesn't get any. It doesn't get crazier than that. Like no, no one has had amazing. a more significant impact. I think. Yeah. So uh, I think Du Bois is really amazing, and he's a great writer, like to boot. So that's I think enough by way of introduction. So let's just. Yeah, I, I just wanted to point out for you guys a Professor Winkleman moment about his excitement about Du Bois. He was like, "I'm not going to really say anything right before he turned on the microphone. You're, I'm not going to really say anything by way of introduction. They already have PowerPoint slides, and then." I couldn't really, help myself. Du Bois is really good. Yeah. Du Bois is really good. Um, but save me from my, save <laughs> them from me. You save me from myself. <laughs> All right. Whoever I'm saving. Pages five and six. Between me and the other world, there is ever an unasked question. Unasked by some through feelings of delicacy, by others through the difficulty of rightly framing it, oh, of rightly framing it. All nevertheless flutter round it. They approach me in a half-hesitant sort of way, eye me curiously or compassionately, and then, of saying, and then instead of saying directly, how does it feel to be a problem? They say, I know excellent, I've known maybe, I've known excellent colored m- man in my town. I know an excellent. Oh, I know an excellent colored man in my town. Or I fought at Mechanicsville. Or do not these southern outrages make your blood boil? Yeah. So what's he describing there? Racism? <laughs> well, of a certain type. Of a right? polite kind, right? Of a polite I think kind. I mean in a certain way now maybe we call this microaggressions. We might would call those microaggressions. Right, sure. the sort of like I know an excellent colored man in my town, right? I mean, I definitely feel like I hear some of my colleagues and friends describe very similarly offensive statements uh, that they get today, right? That this mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. these, I mean, now people don't say colored, but I mean, if you just changed that to more modern parlance, then. Right. But then if you go further, right, I fought at Mechanicsville was like, so I, I don't was know. part of the Union Army. Okay. Right? You know, I was part uh-huh. of the Union Army. So that's like, I have a black friend. It's no? more than that. It's like it's, I'm an activist, I'm an activist sort of thing. Not an activist. I was a soldier. No, no, I was right. trying to think oh, about modern oh, equivalency, oh, oh, right? I that see. you're like, oh, I went to that protest. Like, I went to right. that BLM protest. Right, right. I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent of that would be. Yeah, and the next one as well. The next one as well. Yeah, I mean, those, exactly I guess, that. are a little less. Those seem to me... They're expressions of sympathy. Those, yeah. And they are expressions right. of... Of imp of compassion, right? They seem actually the latter two seem different than the first one. Yeah. Well, look, he says sometimes they don't know right. how to frame it. Sometimes they eye me curiously, like I'm a right. curiosity, like I'm a freak. Right. And sometimes compassionately, like it must suck to be me. 
Right. Right. Like that's part of what's that's part of what the um, what Du Bois has analyzed here. Right. And the one is like a little bit. So the one is like, well, the one that we the like I've known excellent colored man, which is like most are sh- shitty. Right. So that one right. is like the most I think that gets into the kind of. And then the other ones definitely seem more like, I don't know, the one is like an odd way of trying to be like, I'm on your side or something, they're right? All, like, both, both of the others are about like, we're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But what Du Bois is saying there is that- You could just be like, hey, bro, how's the weather? <laughs> Instead of like- yeah. Remember when I fought in the war for you, right? <laughs> right? right. Like you could just Right, like maybe you could talk to a black person about being like, human. Yeah, just like anyway my car broke down and Hey, how's it going? Right. Like what do you like to do for fun? Did you where'd you get those new glasses? Cool like, glasses. Yeah. I like your glasses. <laughs> yeah. Or like Yeah. Hey, yes. that looks tasty. That muffin you're eating. Right, right. Where do the, I like, get those? I don't you that like you could imagine that sort of like that if this encounter happened between if Du Bois was a another white dude, right? That this yeah, what, the, the what, guy what, what wouldn't have been like. Anyway, I fought in the war, for, you know, for, right? Yeah. Right, right. So, um, so that's absolutely right. And I think it's cool. I think it's an interesting analysis, and I, especially given in the contemporary period how we talk about microaggressions right. and this kind of thing that Du Bois is right there, right? I mean, well before... Yes, definitely well before anyone used the word microaggressions. Well before, and Du Bois would never use microaggressions as a term. No, obviously, right? But obviously. like, I think it's, I just think it's it's interesting. And the next quote, I think the next quote is one where you understand the consequence of this. So Du Bois isn't talking, I mean, it's actually important that it's not, we don't want to read it too anachronistically that it is a microaggression because I think where Du Bois takes it is to a kind an even deeper place than right, where so we might want it? to. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, page seven. The Negro is a sort of seventh son, born with a veil and gifted with second sight in this American world, a world which yields him no true self-consciousness, but only lets him see himself through the revelation of the other world. One ever feels his two-ness, an American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, Two warring ideals in one dark body whose dogged strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. Yeah. So this, he takes the, the this, this experience of constantly being pres- pr- confronted right. as if you're a problem as like this, this, uh, um, an instance uh, and, and like the generative instance of double consciousness, this famous concept that comes out of Du Bois that you probably have encountered if you knew any, if you've ever encountered Du Bois, that's probably the one idea that you would get from Du Bois in the general, uh-huh. you know, consciousness. Zeitgeist or whatever. Yeah, the zeitgeist, and like basically that idea is that you're constantly living as white people see you as a problem, right? right. But also you're a human, right? <laughs> right, like yeah. But you you always go through life. Well, in this case, also an American, right? Right. Like he's not saying right. You know, one ever feels his chewness, a human, a Negro, right? He's saying an American, right? So that and importantly, though, this what it means to be an American in this part, right, is to to be scared of, skeptical, and worried about black people. To think black people are a problem. Oh, right. That's so this a is definitional like the component of right? American. The, uh-huh. of the American consciousness is to like assume that black people are a problem that need to be solved. Right, right, right. right? right so right. so he's a black person experiencing the world as a black person, but constantly aware that he's also a problem to be solved. Right, right. Which, as he says, would get tiring. Right, yes. Would get extremely tiring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Can we keep plowing through keep plowing through i guess i just want to i that's all all, all i want to say is that like that's the consequence of this how does it feel to be a problem is that it it creates this double consciousness right and also yeah. a cool little thing the veil the born with a veil do you know about like the call on the baby's head that sometimes comes out do you know about this? I don't know. I don't it's like know. a little piece of the amniotic sac that sometimes covers a baby's head. Like oh, one okay. in 800,000 babies are born with a call. Okay. And it's like this little hood that's over their face. Okay. Like it's this like milky, hazy amniotic sac. And in many, oh, many, I see. Uh-huh. In many cultures, it's like a, it's a sign of like a, a magical, like the baby's a magical. Oh, interesting. 
a magical thing. Okay, right? so, so that's veil, what that born with a veil is that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's doing a lot of work. The idea, the concept of the veil is doing a lot of work, but that's also part of part of the gotcha. part of the symbolic work it's doing. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Can you imagine if your baby was born with that? That would be wild. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's like at that point I was in such a haze that. <laughs> if they said, yeah, your baby was born with a call, you'd be like, cool. I'd be like, cool, dope. Whatever. I mean, I don't know. Just give me a second to catch my breath. All right, page eight. The would-be black savant was confronted by the paradox that the knowledge that his people needed was a twice-told tale to his white neighbors. While the knowledge which would teach the white world was Greek to his own flesh and blood. That's what it says? Okay. What do you get out of that? The would-be black savant was confronted by the paradox that the knowledge that his people needed was a twice-told tale to his white neighbors. Okay, what's that? I don't know. What's he saying? For the black intellectual, the way, the knowledge that the black community needs is like taken for granted by whites. Right? It's a twice told tale. Okay. And that means literally told twice, or just is that an expression? It's an that expression, I don't... a twice told tale. It's like familiar. It's old hat. Oh, I see. Okay. Or you could just substitute old hat there. Okay. So the. The knowledge that his people needed was old hat to his white neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was well distributed among white people, right? Okay. It's, it's like part of the general cultural knowledge of whiteness. Okay. Okay. Oh, so is he saying that? Oh, I, I think I now I, I right. think I think I'm now understanding. Sometimes it's not much you... easier in context. Okay. <laughs> so is this sort of thing? I'm not sure if now I'm interpreting this right or not. Is he basically saying that, like, in order to be in, like, an intellectual community, there's, like, all of this, like, taken-for-granted stuff that is that, that black people are excluded from and so don't have, haven't had access to? Okay. Is that? So keep going with it, though. Go with the, go with the next half of it. Well, the knowledge which would teach the white world was Greek to his own flesh and blood. And this is such a strange sentence. I don't really quite understand what that half is saying then. While the knowledge which would teach the white world? Correct. What is it? What is, so tell me. Explain it. So hand, hand this to me real quick so I make sure to keep everything straight. So basically, the, your reading of the first half is not off base. But part of what he's saying is that for a black intellectual of a, uh, uh, who who seeks to do any kind of uplift and seeks to, to be a bridge between white and black communities, right? It's like there's part of it that's that first half that you said that like this person has been totally excluded from a general uh, ethos and cultural right. milieu that like it is, is just the oper standard operating procedure right. of the white world. Right. But also... What he's saying here is that it's it's challenging to it's it it's challenging for black intellectuals to communicate what blackness can offer the white world okay. because it's not as though um, it's not as though there are just it's it's not as though the like the knowledge of what makes blackness great is well distributed among in the same way that like our Western civilization is taught in our schools or what like right, right, the Western right. you're getting an education in the Western canon right now at a liberal arts college in right. my class. Right. Right. Du Bois is like, we don't actually do that in black education. Like black people don't actually know the best that has been thought and said by black people the same way that white people right, all right, know right, the best right. that has been thought right. and said. Right. And so for me, for Du Bois, the would be black savant, for me to like wander into a white place and be like, everybody knows that like, you know, uh, everyone knows the story of what a great leader Toussaint Louverture is. Right, and they're right. all like, who what? the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, also he's talking about the same experience of like, actually he no one. He hasn't gotten it, right? Yeah. Right. And no one in Georgia in Atlanta knows who Toussaint Louverture right, is. That's what, I, that's what yeah. I was meaning. Like that, yeah, you wouldn't, this would not have been the. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so Du Bois is like, we've got kind of a difficult problem right. where we've got this massive cultural imbalance. Right, that the intellectual tradition and community is all this sort of Western story um, that there's no equivalent of... That, that is existing in black schools at, at the time, right? Because everything is still, we're talking still segregated schools and all oh, this. Oh, there's right? not even public like schools. There's not even compulsory crazy. schooling what at this year? point Tell 19, me again. during World War One. Okay. It's like not until World War One that we get compulsory schooling for anybody. Right, right. right. Let alone state-sponsored right. school for black people. Right, forget Are you about crazy? It. Right. Forget about it. We're still, we're still two generations from the Civil War. Right, right, like, right. We're oh, really yeah, two yeah, generations yeah. from the Civil War at right. this point. Right. They are not going to educate black people. Right. The state will not pay for that. Right. 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 It's terrifying. Right. Right. And, and then they're certainly not going to lift up black thinkers once that starts, right? No, Even no. After. And I mean, we're really concretizing something that is really abstract for Du Bois still of the, mm-hmm. like, like this is a way of concretizing, talking about thinkers and cultural objects and stuff like that is, is making it concrete. But Du Bois is talking about, I think, an even more abstract process, right, an right. even more abstract experience of like, I mean, what he's basically talking about is like, even for, even for a black person, a black intellectual who's able to achieve what he calls self-conscious manhood, right. you're still in this in-between right. where you're still consistently like, you don't, you don't get, you don't escape the double consciousness. Right, 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 right. Right. No matter how hard, like, it's just, it is, it's what you live with. Right, and it was baked into, like, your own intellectual development. Yes. In right. order to achieve self-conscious manhood, right. you had to continue down the path of double consciousness. Right, and it's, to, like, the first part, which is more about the, like, man on the street, like, my, you know, the yeah. sort of where it's, like, this is my experience of, like, ordinary life, then this is more, like, my experience of intellectual elite life. life. But elite. it's, like, the parallel of the elite right. intellectual kind of... And these are yeah. the most educated black people, right? That right. Du Bois is talking about here. Uh, you know this. You know this, Heather. That like yes. Du Bois, especially at this time, is is hardcore elitist. Right. 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 Is he thinks that development comes through the talented tenth of any community, right. white or black. Right. right that right, like right. that cultural development is led by the most educated. Right. Right. I mean, we could think about Plato and some. Right. I mean, this is like also has a long intellectual, tradition. long intellectual tradition. Yeah. There He's may not be, alone. You this. may have you may have seen references to the true, the beautiful, and the good right. in this text. Uh huh. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So next, we're going to move on to page eleven. Okay. Um, before that nameless prejudice that leaps beyond all this, he stands helpless, dismayed, and well nigh speechless. Before that personal disrespect and mockery, the ridicule and systematic humiliation, the distortion of fact and wanton license of fancy, the cynical ignoring of the better and the boisterous welcoming of the worse, the all-pervading desire to inculcate disdain for everything black, from Toussaint to the devil, before this there rises a sickening despair that would disarm and discourage any nation, save that black host to whom discouragement is an unwritten word." All right. What are you getting out of that? Well, I mean, it's sad, right? Well, what what are you uh, what are you taking from that? Like, what are what? How do you? What does that mean? Paraphrase it. Okay. I mean, there's a lot. So let's see. Um, all right. So. Before that nameless prejudice that leaps beyond all this, he stands helpless, right? Uh So here's the person that is standing helpless, dismayed, and well-nigh speechless. Okay. Um, Like in the face of disrespect and mockery, of ridicule and systematic humiliation, right? Right. Not just personal humiliation, but actually systematic systematic humiliation of like a bunch of bullshit lies, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, distortion of fact and wanton license of fancy, right? Mm -hmm. Like whatever crazy stereotypes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and made-up stories and whatever, the cynical ignoring of the better, right, and the boisterous welcoming of the worst. So, again, this is like your local news special, right, where it's like, you know, uh, you know, clearly not pointing out, you know, which kids from the South Side are going to college, but pointing out which ones, you know, got in a fight. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. 
the all-pervading desire to inculcate, inculcate disdain for everything black, right, from Toussaint to the devil. So not only actual humans who lived, but then also the metaphorical darkness yes. of yes. like yeah, evil it's part of and our symbolic like, language. Right, is like black is bad. Right. Um, before this, there rises a sickening despair that would disarm and discourage any nation. Um, so, right, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then it sort of ends in an interesting way, I think, which is mm -hmm. that save the black host to whom discouragement is an unwritten word, mm -hmm. right? Which mm -hmm. is almost to be like, yeah, of course. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is just how we do, right? Right, like, right, right. Um, yeah. And so. this, will become, this will become an important idea for Du Bois later where um, um, what the experience, what the black experience of life can incorporate into the American experience of life, some of it is precisely this unbowedness, mm -hmm. this refusal to be discouraged. Right, persistence, persistence kind of persi in the face right. of like... Exactly. In incredible discouragement, as he describes it, right? Right, right. And this is what you're missing out on. Right. If right. you're, by excluding black people from the nation, right. you are depriving yourself of that important cultural resource. Right, right. Right. Yes, yeah. That, that like, in be... particular, kind of, I mean, skills is does not really the word I'm looking for, but, like, some kind of, like... Mm -hmm. skills or something right knowledge it's like knowledge yeah certainly yeah all right keep it moving i think we're moving all into right. the next chapter i think that's how the first chapter ends okay so this is from page 13 we the darker ones come even now not altogether empty-handed oh no this is still from chapter one sorry keep, okay. going. keep reading it though there are today no truer exponents of the pure human spirit for the declaration of independence than the american negroes there is no true American music but the wild, sweet melodies of the Negro slave. The American fairy tales and folklore are Indian and African. And all in all, we black men seem the sole oasis of simple faith and reverence in a dusty desert of dollars and smartness. Right. So that just sort of is uh, the way Du Bois says what we were just talking about. Like, this is what you deprive yourself of. As a nation. Well, I feel like one was like a kind of a fortitude, and this one is like a <laughs> culture. <laughs> kind right. of culture's ours. I was going to say. We made some, it. Yeah. Some rude language there, but yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I used played. some rude language in the podcast last night, I realized. I, I don't know if I have to deep you? it. I, I don't, don't know. know. Well, probably not, but maybe we can talk about it later. Um, I think I dropped a lot of F-bombs last night. We've been podcasting a lot, y'all, so like, hopefully, uh, hopefully I think we you're adults, you can deal with it. Um. Oh, I was going to say, like, I mean, I play old-time fiddle, right. which I think, ha like, reads white, but that's actually complete bullshit. Like, it's, like, actually anybody that actually honestly knows anything about those traditions knows how much that was at least 50% sort mm -hmm. of an African-American, like, yeah. coming at, at literally originally from yeah. Africa, but... Um, yeah, the mixing of those traditions with Irish, uh, you know, fiddle yeah. players and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, I mean, and some of that I think also came from Native American stuff, much more heavily. Native this. American flutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Podcast you guys could listen to. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, so that, but that there's, yeah, I mean, I see this in my own experience of having grown up in the South playing fiddle music of like, yeah. that this is like a culture that gets written out, I think. I think now in these moments, there's actually, you guys have an alum, um, his name's Jake Blunt. He's an mm -hmm. awesome musician, and he and some other um, folks my age and younger are kind of trying to do a lot to bring those African and African-American roots of of Southern music mm -hmm. into the fore, people like um, Rhiannon Giddens and Yeah, Jake read that part again about the dusty dollars, because um, this will become an important We black theme. men seem the sole oasis of simple faith and reverence in a dusty desert of dollars and smartness. Yeah, this will become an important theme throughout the text, uh, especially through Souls of Black Folk. This um, hostility to a kind of, um, frankly for Du Bois, a frankly boring greed. Right, that like right, yeah. it's just it's just like 
Yeah, I this like is that. boring. I like that the dusty, dusty desert, desert of, of dollars, dollars and smartness. Good. Yeah. So it'll be an important theme, and it's one that I just want to home in on here at the beginning because uh, it's going to come up over and over again. Uh, du Bois at this point hadn't read very much Marx. Um, he was familiar with Marx and um, had read some, obviously. He was educated in Germany in the late 19th century, um, but uh, was not was not like a heavy-duty reader of Marx, would become a heavy-duty reader of Marx later when he was doing his analysis of Reconstruction. Um, but if you're starting, if you're seeing a few little echoes of, if you're seeing these like, uh, you know, echoes of, of hostility to capitalism or something like that, just know that, I mean... They get the, developed later. Yeah, and the dude is familiar with Marx, as was any educated person right. writing in this particular period. Where when Marx wouldn't have been super scary at this point, we haven't even gone through our first Red Scare of right. like this is pre-Bolshevik Revolution, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. Marx isn't even a scary thinker at this point, point. Mm -hmm. um, and that particular kind of German left communism isn't super scary yet. It will become scary pretty quick, right? Yes, and it will matter for Du Bois late in his life, right? So, all right, all right now we have we're one, in chapter. Oh. No, not quite. We have one more quote from this from page 14, and then it looks like we go leaping ahead from there okay. on out. So I'm um, um, 14. The problem of the 20th century. This is chapter two. Okay. Okay. The problem, the problem of the 20th century is the problem of the color line. The relation of the darker to the lighter races of men in Asian and in Asia and Africa, in America and the islands of the sea. It was a phase of this problem that caused the civil war. Okay. Um, I want you to go ahead and read the next quote too. I've okay. got jam two. That's yes, the okay. opening line of the chapter. And you're about to read the closing paragraph of the chapter. Perfect. Okay, page 33. I have seen a land right merry with the sun, where children sing and rolling hills lie like passioned women wanton with harvest. And there in the king's highway sat and sits a figure veiled and bowed, by which the traveler's footsteps hasten as they go. On the tainted air broods fear. Three centuries thought has been the raising and unveiling of that bowed human heart. And now, behold, a century new for the duty and the deed. The problem of the 20th century is the problem of the color line. Okay. So this is another famous passage from Du Bois. It's an important piece of Du Bois. It can be read simplistically that what the 20th century has to work out is racism and has to deal with the incorporation of black Americans after the Civil War into full citizenship. Okay. So there are, there's a very simplistic reading. It's not wrong. I mean, that's part of what he's saying. But I want to just excavate a couple of deeper layers of that. Okay. Right? And especially, I just mentioned Marx. And I think it's important here to show a real contrast with Marx. Right? Where what Du Bois is, Du Bois definitely isn't a Marxist here. In part because it's not class that matters. Ah, uh, yes, right. It's race, it's race that, matters. that matters. Yes. What's driving history is right. not class conflict, but racial conflict. Right. Yes. Right. And it's an important yes. contribution that Du Bois makes, and he's one of the most. It, he positions it here really as a rhetorical problem. Right. Um, but you should know that this text is being written while Du Bois is also the chair of sociology at Atlanta University. This was written for public consumption. If you read the forethought, it's not just written for public consumption. It's written for white people. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. explicitly like his the, the first part, he, he references the gentle reader who wants to just sort of see behind the veil, uh -huh. right? And uh -huh. Du Bois oh, yeah, yeah, says, yeah. like, I'm going to just lift the veil this and show the you. the veil a lot. That's the veil does a lot of, it does a lot of work. It does a lot of work. The veil came back. I noticed it. I noticed yeah, it back good. in here. Good. Um, but, but despite, it's not a rhetorical flourish for Du Bois. It's, it's a central component of his sociology that like, that, that this is how you can read it in other essays that, that are contemporaneous with this. But what Du Bois is saying is that like, that this problem of racial contact is really what drives and animates history. And it's right. what it's it's part of a, a development of society. It's a developmental stage in society, and it's the final, st just like for Marx. Right, right, right. right you right. get to this final yeah, stage yeah, of yeah. society is like this multicultural mixing, right. right? And Du Bois says, like, well, it seems like we're there, right? Like uh -huh. we're we're there. We have reached a point where we seem to be stepping forward into that new stage of development. Well, what he's detailed in the chapter. 
the whole chapter here, is the first tentative steps toward that reconstruction. Okay. Right? Yeah. So his, the, what's, what's in this chapter, what's between these two bookends, is a history of reconstruction. Interesting. Early okay. sketch of what he would develop in the big 1931 text. Gotcha. And what he says is, uh, I don't have you a lot of quotes because they're really historical and yeah, technical. Yeah, yeah, lots yeah, of yeah, names. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of just facts of how things mm-hmm. went down. Yeah. But what Du Bois is saying here is like, um, guys, like, this was no simple matter, right? Like, this is a world historical process. Right. And you, we kind of bungled it because we didn't really do much. <laughs> and we did a little bit, but we let the Southern, like, we let the South kind of run, run the reconstruction show for uh-huh. a while. And, uh, well, <laughs> like, let me tell you, like, this is a big problem to manage. And right. we, we as a nation managed it in a really piecemeal way right. and without a lot of deliberateness and without recognizing it as such a significant world historical problem. Right. And consequently, like it didn't work very well. Right. And, right. um, I don't know. I like that image right there, right? Like the, the way that it ends. Du Bois ends all of these chapters in this. He, he's like the master of ending a chapter. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. Nice. And his chapters often end with this like foreboding scene of like, right. um, hey, hey, white people, right? This is who he's writing to here. Like, right. hey, white people, like, I know you're hastening your way past this guy, this black veiled figure. Uh-huh. Like, I know you want to ignore this problem. Maybe you haven't been paying attention to what's been happening for the last 300 fucking years. Right, right, right. Like, the past 300 years has been a world historical process unfolding to liberate the energy of this figure that you wish just didn't exist. Right. And you know what? Like, you can't stop time. Right, right. All kinds of four. It's a great chapter. There's lots of really, really interesting and rich stuff in there. Lots of fun stuff. I'll ask you, uh, those of you who are participating in the forums, I've got a couple of interesting things that I want you to do with it. You'll see that all, uh, I don't know, I, I'm saying tomorrow, tomorrow being Friday. You'll see that tomorrow, Friday, mm-hmm. uh, May 1st. Okay. All right. So that's all chapter two. All so right. this sets the biggest ideas possible for Du Bois, right? Okay. We've got the biggest, biggest canvas possible. And here's like the third point, which is a really important point for Du Bois. We're getting into his chapter on education. Okay. Yeah. So now we're jumping ahead quite a ways to page 71. This is chapter six. And so in this great question of reconciling three vast and partially contradictory streams of thought, The one panacea of education leaps to the lips of all. Such human training as will best use the labor of all men without enslaving or or brutalizing. All right, let me pause you there. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to have to pause you there because I want to fill in what these three contradictory streams of thought are. Okay. This will be helpful context. Uh, I meant to do this just a second ago and not cut you off in the middle. Oh, that's fine. Um. Du Bois says, like, basically there's three educational ideas that are in circulation at the time. The first is education exists to satisfy the myriad and endlessly swirling human wants, and it doesn't matter whether you're black or white as long as you can contribute to this economy of desire satisfaction, right? So, so a kind of consumerist education, is that? It is a little bit that. He doesn't have that language available to him, but basically as long as you can produce the crap right. that people buy, right. yeah. you're fine. Yeah. And what education exists to do is to make you effective at producing the crap that people want. Right. Right? And yeah. we don't so care. I, that's what I had in mind when you read it. Yeah. yeah. White, black, right. yellow, Get in the factory. Red. We don't care. Get in the factory. Are we in the get factories now, yeah. yeah. Butts in the factories. Yeah. Approach to education. Vocational education, it's sometimes called. Another idea that's circulating at the time is that we really need to use education as a wall. Okay. To keep the inferior black race away from white people. So right. education exists to maintain to the color. segregate. Yeah. Right? Education is a process by which we segregate. So he's pretty radically just calling out, like, I think not as many people are willing to say that this is a use that education is being put to. Uh-huh. Right. But Du Bois is just like, I mean, uh, just yes. look at it. It is. Yes. Yeah. Okay? So that's one educational ideal that's okay. circulating in the United States Absolutely. at the time. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. And the third is that uh, well, education exists not to not to satisfy consumer desire, um, but is a process by which we create liberty, freedom, and opportunity. Uh-huh. 
So by which he sort of means like a, I mean, he has broadly in mind a liberal education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. so those are the three contradictory streams, okay. right? They're contradictory, right? Yes, like certainly. you can't. They're all. They're all. They all contradict one another. It's like a triangle, right? There's right. not like. Well, they they're partially contradictory, he says, right? So I suppose that in some ways, at least you could reconcile some parts of some. I of them. guess you could reconcile one and two. Three does seem to stand apart, right? Or one and one and three a little maybe. Well, not for two boys. Not for two boys. Not you couldn't boys. reconcile one. What, you were going to get people to the dusty desert and, of dollars I and guess, smartness? Right. And one and two don't really reconcile either because if you just want the butts in the factory, then... You might accidentally create some economic uplift. Right, yeah. Right, be a problem. Yeah. All right, so... Okay. All right, so, okay, the next part after this but, is... But oh, I, the part that we missed there is that this... I love this part where he's like... But everyone's just like, oh, education, it's the panacea. Right, right, right. Well, we still say that. Oh, yes. Nothing has changed. Um, such human training as will best use the labor of all men without enslaving or brutalizing. Such training as will give the poise to encourage the prejudices that bulwark society and to stamp out those that in sheer barbarity deafen us to the wail of printed souls within the veil and the mounting fury of shackled Maybe men. Maybe deafen us to pain souls within the veil, sorry. Oh, pain, sorry, it says printed. Yeah, uh, you know. There's a lot correct. of typos in this one. Yeah, well... Um. Anyway, so pain souls. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, so wait, what's happening? This He's describing still the vast, partially contradictory streams of thought in the second part? What's the second part doing? Such human training is what best usually... Against this stream. Right? Can I see the card? Yeah. All right. So in this great question, the panacea of education leaps to the lips of all. What we need is all of this training. Everyone agrees that this is what we would want. Education. Education. And, okay. And everyone agrees that education should be training as we'll best use the labor of all men. But we have a hard time actually working out what this might mean in practice. And when, when the chips are down or when, when whatever other metaphor you want to use, right, when it comes time to actually open that model of education or open a, a, a liberating model of education to black Americans, you start to run into a little bit of resistance. Right. Okay. Okay. You can go to the next one. It may next help us quote, clarify. Maybe? Yeah. Okay. All right. So now we're moving on to page 73. We have a right to inquire as this enthusiasm for material advancement mounts to its height. If after all the industrial school is the final and sufficient answer in the training of the Negro race, and to ask gently, but in all sincerity, the ever-recurring query of the ages, is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? <laughs> a nice one there. A quote from uh, the Gospel of Matthew that is not... Life more than meat, the body more than Raymond. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, I mean... Going right back to where we were in chapter one. Right. And also, is he not here... Um, really, this is like the critique of that first school you talked about. Yes. That, like butts in the factories, right? Um, yes. And I mean, I don't know if at this time he's also... I don't know if there's any like schools of thought that are basically just like, oh, all black people have to do now is just get a job and then everything will be fine. Like I don't that's know. If that's Booker T. Like Washington. That, that right. in the famous set piece. Yeah, it's, a, they, it's way yeah, more yeah. complicated. But yes, like it's a right. huge school. Because I mean, thought. it seems like that that's like a little bit of a push here. Is like, you know, that this is just actually not. It's just not enough. It's not enough, right? It's not enough to like, yeah. And it continues to deprive you, right? So th this part ties nicely to the argument that he's making in the first couple of chapters as well. Like when he when he ends it with with is not life more than meat, the body more than raiment. Yeah, is it's like if you only educate black Americans to enter the dusty desert of dollars, mm -hmm. you have ignored what their actual contribution could be. 
Right. right. You have failed to cultivate. Right, which I mean, so he you probably haven't just, incorporated them. Right, yeah, which he probably just showed was the sort of like fortitude against discouragement and the ability to like persevere, right? As well as like all these cultural. Yes. Right, like. Yes, and yes. Giant cultural contributions and. Yeah. Yes, and yes, right? right? So that like, in fact, so conceptually, it ties with the argument that like, this just isn't incorporation. Right. Right? right. Like, yeah. you can give them jobs. You can give them an education that gets them a job. Right. But, like, you haven't then actually incorporated them. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, if he's thinking about elite life, that is not actually. I mean, oh, I don't hell know. No. Maybe in these days I feel like it's... Tough to <laughs> say. Hard Tough to, to say. But certainly at that time, right? I mean, being... Elite wasn't just having money, right? I mean, it was also having like all. I mean, we talk about it now, cultural capital. It's part of what you get with your liberal arts education. We joke about when you're at your cocktail party and you can like whatever mention some mm-hmm. quote, right? I mean, and well, Du Bois is just displaying it in spades. Like, is what I love about Du Bois in this is like he's just constantly. It's like it's like pocket lint to him, right? Like uh-huh. he's just dropping references all over the place right 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 Right? yeah yeah. here's this matthew reference that he's just woven right i mean he's just woven the gospel of matthew right into it and he's like not at all i mean he hates religion (laughs) right that's funny i mean except i mean he loves the episcopal church but like yeah i mean come on yeah (laughs) yeah all right page 77 and 78 it was not and is not money these seething millions want Uh uh-huh but love and sympathy the pulse of hearts beating with red blood, a gift which today only their own kindred and race can bring to the masses, but which once saintly souls brought to their favored children in the crusade of the 60s. That 1860s. That finest thing in American history, and one of the few things untainted by sordid greed and cheap vainglory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's talking, he's referring to a movement of New England um schools being opened in the south okay by teachers from new england coming down to the south opening schools for black students and Those for are du bois the these souls. are the saintly souls that uh-huh. came down and like and really just because they they like had this genuine earnest love of poetry and right, you know right. shit like that right like yeah, a yeah, real yeah. i mean du bois is a sucker for this he's born in great barrington massachusetts he loves the whole new england trip right, like, right he's right. a total sucker for it yeah but is is really i mean what he's saying there is like i mean like we tried this once right like this actually people people have done this right and people responded to it right okay and it was untainted by sordid greed and unlike other unlike glory. other attempts at uh, uh, northern liberation of the South. Mm-hmm. That this was one that was really good. This wasn't just, um, you know, northern political jockeying and the mm-hmm. way that much of the Civil War was for for in Du Bois's view. Gotcha. All right. All right. So now we are moving on to page eighty-one. Okay, we're getting close to the end of the first. First podcast here, close to the end of of um, Du Bois's big ideas. Coming yeah, I got through. two. I got two more quotes for you guys. Yep. So this one on page eighty one. Strange to relate. Strange to relate. You know this is going to be good. <laughs> for this is certain, no secure civilization can be built in the South with the Negro as an ignorant, turbulent proletariat. Suppose we seek to remedy this by making them laborers and nothing more. They are not fools. They have tasted the tree of life, and they will not cease to think, will not cease attempting to read the riddle of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this goes with sort of what we've just been talking goes about. goes right at right? the back of chapter like, two, right? The yeah. unbowed figure. This, I think, is the flip side, though. One is like you haven't incorporated them, and the polity misses out. Mm-hmm. And this is like if you actually deny them the... You know, this is not meat. This is not raiment. Right? Like, right. I mean, it's like sort of if you deny them the fullness of experience life. of life of whatever that like, it's not like someone's not going to notice, right? Mm-hmm. So that there's mm-hmm. like I think a sense here of of the some of the other stuff seemed to be what was lost for the general public or the you know the polity or whatever, mm-hmm. and that this is more like it's lost for the. I mean, and I don't know, I mean, he's not a revolutionary, right? But I mean, I guess that, like, there's some sense of 
that I would read into this as a social movements person, mm -hmm. certainly like discontent, right? That like you will not be surprised to know. see more of these references all over the place. Yeah. To this kind of turbulent this turbulence on the horizon. There's a certain prophetic note yeah. to some of what Du Bois is saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, like you can't just make Yeah. You can't make them you know, push them into one slot and expect that. Because they're human beings. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's the will, point. Like, yeah. the, like, black people are people. And so, sure, Du Bois says, some black people would be best served with an industrial education. That's true. Right. But black people as a whole... I mean, why would you even talk about it that way? Right. Right? Like, yeah. obviously, there are there is a varied human experience right. within blackness. Right. <laughs> right? Yes. And so yes. to, like, deprive the possibility of educating as though there was varied human experience is to really set yourself up for a whole bunch of people who have tasted the tree of life. Right. Who are who not want... fools, who will not cease to think, right? I right. mean, like, which also I think suggests... I mean, again, coming at this from a social movements lens, right, where I'm like, I see like this as like a discontent thing. Yes. Where you also have like that, you know, those who will not cease to think and not cease attempting to read the riddle of the world, right, is like that there will be leaders. Mm -hmm. No matter what, you try to put all these guys in factories and pretend that that'll solve this problem of black leadership. Well, good luck. You thought Marx was tough. Wait till <laughs> you've got a black Marx. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes, that's, I mean, that's exactly. So, I mean, I, I see that in there a little bit, too. Exactly um, what Du Bois is, is saying. Give me your last one. All right, so last here, we've got eight, page uh, 83. Herein, the longing of black men must have respect. The rich and bitter mm -hmm. depth of their experience, the unknown treasures of their inner life, the strange readings of nature they've seen, may give the world new points of view and make their loving, living, and doing previous to all human hearts. And to themselves. Precious. Sorry, precious. To oh. all human hearts. Sorry. They're right next to each other. The C and the V are right next to each other on the keyboard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and to themselves in these days that try their souls, the chance to soar in the dim blue air above the smoke is to their finer spirits boon. Guerdon and Gurdon. Gurdon. That's a real word. It's a little late Middle English. <laughs> du Bois is just like dropping a little Dropped. late Middle English right there from the high I was German. Like, is this a word? It's or a not? word. Gurdon. What does it mean? It's like a reward. Oh, okay. Oh, finer spirits, boon and Gurdon. And reward. Right. For what they lose on earth by being black. Got a little discombobulated by the typos and the You see how it's just like, it's just pocket lint for that guy, yeah, right? Yeah. He's just walking around like, boom. Here's, Here's a little. So Late dropping, Middle English for dropping you. Dropping some refs for you. You're in the long and blind man's have. Here's this. This quote is like another. It's a, it's a more specific and personalized brief for the value of diversity. The way we would yeah. talk about it now, right? right? Certainly, yeah. And that like, and well, that like, I mean, they may give the world new points of view. You know, make their loving, living, and doing precious to all human hearts, right? Which is like and the things yeah. that they have harvested from their three hundred years of expulsion of exclusion. Excuse me, their three hundred years of exclusion might really be like the that Boone and Gurdon, right? Is like the um, they could they could share that with us, right? right? People who have survived for you know uh, three hundred years of white terrorism right. could maybe tell us something. I just think about when we saw Cornell West give yeah. that talk. I was thinking about uh, that when you after said After 9-11, it was a, the Martin Luther King Day talk in 2007 at UNC. And Cornell West, uh, I still remember this was like, right, like, wouldn't it have been interesting if we'd asked black people how to respond to terrorism? Right. Since they we, had experience with that. We have been for... A long right? time. Yeah. So it's part of what it's yeah. part of what Du Bois is saying here. Yeah. And which I which I like. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the last words to Du Bois here, um, which is how he closes out. I just think he's the master of closing things. So this yes. is the last chat. This is the last paragraph. I love this. I love this. It's another part where he's just the references are just all over the place. Mm -hmm. So Du Bois ends this. He says, "I sit with Shakespeare, and he winces not." Across the color line, I move arm in arm with Balzac and Dumas. 
where smiling men and welcoming women glide in gilded halls. From out the caves of evening that swing between the strong-limbed earth and the tracery of the stars, I summon Aristotle and Aurelius. And what soul I will, and they come all graciously with no scorn nor condescension. So wed with truth, I dwell above the veil. Is this the life you long to change into the dull, red hideousness of Georgia? Are you so afraid, lest peering from this high Pisgah between Philistine and Amalekite, we sight the promised land? That's mm-hmm. two boys, right? Nice. It's a great ending to that chapter. And a great ending for the podcast for now. Um, we'll be back with more. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. Bye. I reminisce for a spell, or shall I say think back yeah. 22 years ago to keep it on track uh-huh. The birth of a child on the 8th of October like A toast, that. but my granddaddy came sober Please Count that. all the fingers and the toes Now I suppose uh-huh. you hope the little black boy grows yeah. 18 yeah. years younger than my mama uh-huh. But I really got beatings cause the girl loved drama yeah. In single parenthood, there I stood By the time she was 21, had another one yeah. This one's yeah. a girl, what? let's name a Pam Same father as the first, but you don't give a damn right. Irresponsible Plain not thinking yeah, Papa said yeah. chill But the brother keep winking uh-huh, Still he uh-huh. won't down You will tear out your hide uh-huh. On your side While the baby make a slide But mama got wise to the game uh-huh. The youngest uh-huh. of five kids Hun, here it is yeah. After yeah. ten years without no spouse yeah. Mama's getting married in the house Word. Listen, positive over negative For the woman a master uh-huh. Mother queens rise in the chapter yeah. Deja vu, tell you what I'm gonna do, do When they reminisce over you, my God Pops liver, yeah. but you can never say that as life is through. Five kids at 21 believe he got a right to. Right. Here we go while I check the scene with the Portuguese lover at the age of 14. The same age, front page, no fuss, but I bet you all you know they live longer than us. Right. Never been seen now, that's where you're wrong. But give the man a taste and he's gone. Not off sleep to a jazz tune. I can hear his head banging on the wall in the next room. I get the pillow and hope I don't wake him. For this man to cuss, hear it all in verbatim. Telling me how to raise my boy unless he's taking over I said pop maybe when you're older we laughed all night about the hookers at the party my old man standing yelling good god almighty use your condom take sips of the brew when they reminisce over you for real In any weather, my grandma Pam holds the family together. My uncle Doc's the greatest, better get the latest. If we're talking about a car, Uncle Sterling got the latest. I strive to be live because I got no choice and run my own business like my Aunt Joyce. So Pete Rock hit me, enough respect to when they reminisce over you. Listen, listen, just listen to the funky songs as I rock on and that bird is born.